Hello and welcome to the Wedding Film School Show. We have an awesome show for you today. We're talking about seven mistakes to avoid as a wedding filmmaker. And these are all mistakes that we made ourselves. So it's gonna be fun. Let me get right in my bag. Uh, why you gonna try to get mad? Uh, everybody wanna keep up. Uh, don't you know I move too fast? Uh, I'ma zip zip right past. Uh, drip drip all on my swag. Uh, all right, so welcome to the Wedding Film School Show. My name is Jared, and today we have an awesome show for you. Thank you for tuning in, and I'm joined today by my co-host, as usual, Mr. Jason McCutcheon. What's up, Jay? How you doing, buddy? We also got Bobby on. What's up, Bobby? Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey. So we're going to be talking today about a subject that I think um, is near and dear to our hearts because we screwed it up ourselves, which is what are some of the things that we just screwed up really bad in our career early on that we wish we would have known? Um, you know, and it's one of those subjects that I think we can all relate to, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, there's definitely a lot of things and, and a lot of times it translates to money, uh, but also it translates to bad reviews. It translates to all different aspects of your business. And so we're going to talk about those things so that, so that hopefully if you're starting your business off, uh, you won't run into the same kind of nightmare scenarios that, that we did. Yeah, we've all been there. So we're not poking fun at anybody today because we've all been in that same place. Hopefully we can just, like Jared said, hopefully we can help you from making the same mistakes we did. Um, but actually, on, on there, we're going to do something new today, Jared, with Bobby. We're going to be doing Would You Rather, three filmmaker Would You Rathers with Bobby Burns. Are you ready for that, Bobby? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. I'm glad you're ready because we've really curated these questions, spent a lot of time preparing them for you. So we cannot wait to just unveil what we have. Um, before we get into that, though, we have a new show sponsor today. If you are sitting there and you are just piled up with a bunch of backlogs of work, well, wouldn't it be good if you had no backlog? Yes. That's our sponsor. <laughs> today is No Backlog. They're an incredible post-production house, um, and they are here to help get you out of that pile of editing, help you out. If you got those 2020 weddings, you've just been procrastinating. We also have an awesome deal, Jared. We've got 10% off, no backlog, especially for any new customers that are over there. If you're a returning customer, then you will just get the same excellent service and incredible editing that you're used to. But we just encourage you, head over there, nobacklog.com, and they will do a great job editing your wedding films for you. But without further ado, let's get into Would You Rather with Bobby Burns. Okay, so wedding filmmaker, would you rather, Bobby? We're excited to test this on you for the first, be our first guinea pig. Guinea pig. I love it. <laughs> I'm a little bit nervous. I yeah, but we're, I'm down we're for it. this has been under wraps for a while. These questions are very secret. You know, the document was not shared with with Bobby. But uh, the first one is a softball, Bobby. Would you right. rather shoot or edit? Uh, I am very much of the mindset that I would rather shoot. Like, I editing is just. It's been a thing that I've I've enjoyed and there like there's some huge payoff, right? Like when you finish a film and you're like, dude, I nailed it, right? Like there's no better feeling. Um, but I'm just kind of of the mindset like I'm not inherently an editor. I think it takes me longer. I think there are better there are people who can do it better, do it faster. And you know, once I kind of dove into outsourcing some of my edits and realizing like how cost effective that was for me, um, yeah, I, I just it didn't make sense for me, and, and I'm a shooter at heart for sure. So, uh, shooting is shooting's my answer for that one. See, I would. So that's easy. Yeah, that's an easy. One. Next question: uh, Would you rather work with a photographer who always gets in your shot, or a <laughs> DJ that screws up your audio? Ooh. 
That's Got a em. tough one. Well, all right. <laughs> all right. So I, I think what I'm, my gut reaction, right, is to say I would rather work with a DJ who screws up my audio because I would have multiple sources and I wouldn't, like, it wouldn't really matter. Um, like if I'm throwing a lav mic on them for toast, like basically the minute I plug into that audio, if the, especially if the DJ is like, yeah, I don't think I can give you an output. Sorry, man. And I'm like, well, can I just like look at your system? And I find like, you know, four options. I'm just like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> uh, I don't trust this at all. Like I'm laving, like I'm putting a lav on everybody who's speaking. I'm maybe taping, you know, something to the mic too. Like I'm having backups on backups for that because I'm just banking on not getting that. Okay, source. let me throw a, like a, a yeah, throw a wrench in there. Okay, throw a wrench in it. So a, a person who always gets in your shot, right? Who's like just that that photographer, yeah. or a DJ who not only they don't screw up, just screw up your audio, like they don't like blow your levels out or whatever, but they have like a terrible, terrible microphone that's constantly <laughs> popping and, and like in the room and, and it's coming through in your audio. Oh man, I don't know. I, I think I'd still probably go with the DJ. Like audio is so important, don't get me wrong, but it sounds like in that scenario, there would still be pieces that I could maybe pull. Whereas like, if I don't have visual and I don't have what I need for that, it's like, it's kind of a wash at that point. Um, yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of like building story with audio and whatever, but if I had to just make a music video style thing, like I could, and like that blame isn't on me. Like it's way, like not that I'm gonna like throw somebody under the bus, but like it's way easier to be like, look, I did everything I could. I had three audio sources. Your DJ screwed up every single one of them. Like this guy's a fool. Yes. You And you and, can't, like, a you DJ can't also, a DJ is not gonna give me a referral, but a photographer, I mean, I probably don't really wanna work with that photographer if they're in my way all the time, but like okay. they carry more weight. We'll have one more variation on this one. Would you rather <laughs> do it? Would you rather be referred constantly by a photographer who got in your way, or constantly by a DJ who constantly screwed I up? I feel like <laughs> I feel like Jason just wants me to like pick the photographer one. No, no, just no, keeps no. You're just you're inspiring. You're inspiring um, me. I I think that uh, okay. Well, here's what I'd say to that. I think a DJ who doesn't know what they're doing is probably not charging a lot of money and their client probably wouldn't be able to afford me. Whereas a photographer who's getting in your way, like could still be an amazing photographer. Like that's not them doing Great their answer. job poorly. Yes, that's I just agree. them not communicating with me or me not communicating with them maybe. I mean, or just it's a wedding and it's chaotic and that happens. Um, I, I don't actually really mind photographers who get in my way because the thing is that I mean, I do eventually, right? But like, hear me out on this. The thing is that they haven't maybe worked with me before and everybody works differently. And so some videographers might be like, do whatever you want. I'm gonna go take the couple for 10 minutes by myself or what, like I don't do that, but some do or whatever. So like the thing that gets me is if they're constantly in my shot and I like, I'm super direct at this point in my career. Like I have no issue just being like, hey, I need you to not be in my camera or just ask me before you go in or like I need you to hold that pose for longer so that I can get what I need to. And if they're not receptive to that, then like they're just actively against you. And I don't want to be referred by somebody like that. But a lot of people just it's just a communication thing and they just don't know that they're running that's, stuff that's, for me. We would agree with you. Okay, so last question, Bobby. All right. Would you rather be sick at a wedding with flaming diarrhea that no one knew about, or would you rather throw up in front of all of the wedding guests? Ooh, 
<laughs> Neither are good options. Uh, yeah, obviously. Uh, I guess my question would be, how much does it affect me? Like, am I like straight on like okay. missing big chunks of the day? No, so the you you have diarrhea in your pants, and you like carrying you, it around. That's, you, yeah, that's you have, no, no. You you have diarrhea, <laughs> and you and you're able to change, clean up, and no one knows. Versus you throw up in front of all the guests. This is clearly a very highbrow show that we have. <laughs> yeah. So one uh, is more public humiliation. One is a very private shame. And and, and I mean, also I guess private shame then. Like <laughs> I, I'd rather like yeah I I guess I'd rather shit my pants and then like be able to clean up and whatever. I don't know. I, I think I would rather throw up in front of everyone. Yeah. Depends what day or what time of the day. Like is this a reception? Yeah. They're like reception. Dude, videographer has been hitting the bar hard, and you're just like. <laughs> Like, is that what we're talking about? Like, that, that could go way longer. During than the ceremony. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I, there's never a good time. The but. reason why, I mean, because this is a very real question, I feel like. I've heard a lot of stories. Had, yeah, I mean, we've had people that are sick on the, you know, on our team or whatever. Like, this has happened. I mean, the, the reason I thought of this question is because Jay had a bloody nose at one of our weddings. And he came mm. back at the end of the day, had blood on his shirt. Like... You know, so there's like, there's just to, shit that happens at a wedding that no one anticipates. I had to change no my shirt, and I was just shooting a wedding in a white tee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's crazy. So, okay, I was just talking about with somebody. I like randomly get these like bloody nose, like not often, but like every now and then I do, and it's like full on, you know what I mean? And so I've had this happen once at a wedding, thank God only once in what? Yeah, in like 14 years, so knock on wood. Uh, I was literally reaching to like grab the dress because I just asked the bride, I was like, do you mind if I take your dress like in the other room, whatever. Reaching and grab the dress. And then like, I, I like just felt like, you know, like, you're no, like, I don't know. I was like, oh, I got like a little like snot dripping or whatever. I just went like that to like wipe it. And it, luckily I like looked at my hand and it was like a little like bloody spot. And I was like, I was like right there. Oh, I, was, no. like, I was just slowly <laughs> backing away. I had to like, I like rushed to the bathroom, grabbed like a bunch of like toilet paper because that was all I could find. And, but they were like people like getting ready in there and stuff too. Terrifying. You know I mean? Like it was like in an apartment. I like ran out of the apartment into the stairwell. Uh, yeah, I was just like in the stairwell for like 15 minutes, like bleeding all over the side. I was like, <laughs> God, it was like, I was like seconds away from like literally just destroying this dress. So, so I have a random story of <clears throat> something terrible. <laughs> Maybe we'll use this. Maybe we'll cut it out, but. I remember I was shooting a wedding with these two photographers and they were like trying to get the perfect ring shot <laughs> and they put this ring up on like we we're on a like a long in New England there's a lot of like every venue ever has a stupid boardwalk and so literally like these people put it up on like the railway of this boardwalk <laughs> and they're like shooting and I'm like all right so I'm just shooting this <laughs> ring and the ring goes it just falls oh, off the boardwalk and down between the deck and onto the rocks by, over on the water of the ocean. Oh my gosh. Did they get it? Well, so yeah, I, I'm like, and the, the girls are like, did that just fall? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And so they're just like, I don't know. I don't know if they're just new and they didn't know what they're doing. So I, walk, out, hopefully. so I walk out with my phone and I just start shining the phone around on the rocks and I'm caught, it catches the light and I'm like, oh, it, it, so the ring fell through the dock onto a rock with water all around it. That sounds like the perfect shot right there. Did you, uh, <laughs> did you pick up that shot? Were so, you filming yeah. 120 frames a second? You probably yeah. should have been. So weddings um, are kind of unpredictable 
and our absolute chaos. Yeah, yeah. So or all of the above. Yeah, yeah. And so hopefully these three would you rather questions have illustrated how crazy weddings are. Thank you for participating in our first ever wedding filmmaker. Would you rather, Bobby? I like it. I I think this is going places. I see it uh, <laughs> continuing on. Very good. If you're like me, you know that music can literally make or break a wedding film. And finding that perfect song can be a frustrating and time-consuming process. You need a song that drives your story forward, leaves space for your audio and images to breathe, builds up over time, and is just playing good. No Fear Musicbed has your back. I've literally been using Musicbed since they started in like 2011 or something, and they have been my go-to music licensing site ever since. I've used the other sites that you see floating around, but time and time again, I find myself coming back to Musicbed for the incredible quality of music across the board, their sheer volume of their library, and their killer customer support. And to make it even better, they offer an incredibly cost-effective monthly membership with unlimited song licenses for your wedding films. If you aren't already using Musicbed, you are seriously doing yourself a disservice but you don't have to take my word for how awesome this company is, you can grab a free month-long membership by following the link in our description. So head on over, sign up for a free month, explore their library, and use them for your next wedding film. You'll be glad you did. Okay, so welcome back. Today we're talking about the top mistakes we made as young wedding filmmakers. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's an important discussion because if you're first starting out, these are the things that you probably aren't going to foresee. They're not the things that stand out immediately. Like you're just worried about learning your camera, learning how to talk to a bride. Um, but oftentimes these can be disastrous things that just kind of pop up and you learn through experience, right? Yeah. It's one of those things where like, I really, we almost, we're thinking about the topic and we're like, what we don't want to do is stigmatize mistakes because mistakes. In the, in the sense that, like, you're an idiot. Oh, you made a mistake? No. Like, these are not things that we're saying you shouldn't even be doing because, honestly, like, you learn from your mistakes. I don't really regret these mistakes, to be honest, because it made me a better filmmaker. And so we're going to be talking about mistakes that we made, and hopefully you can learn. Hopefully you can employ, employ like, the advice. But at the end of the day, you're going to still have your list in like five, 10 years. And, and one of the biggest things I would really encourage people is like, is like, don't try to be perfect. Try to be consistent and just be a hard worker and just put your time in and like, just be okay with making mistakes. Don't be so hard on yourself. I'll see there's so many people that are so hard on themselves. And I, and I will say like, we're going to talk about mistakes. One of the things we did right early on is we did not dwell on our mistakes. We would learn from them, but like we would just try to have a good time making wedding films and have fun and do stuff we enjoyed. And like, that will help a lot. If you're a person that's like a kind of like a big time performance person and, you know, comparison person, we don't want to get that started. We're just trying to have a little bit of fun, talk about what we learned and kind of help you think about maybe some things you can do better. And maybe you don't have to make the same mistakes we have, but you're going to make your own set of mistakes. And that's totally cool. Yeah. So the first one, Bobby, why don't we send it your way? What's, uh, what's something that sure. you wish you would have done or a mistake you, you made early in your wedding film career? Yeah, I mean, there's a few that, that pop up to mind immediately. Like you said, though, like that list is, uh, it's maybe infinite. Uh, there's a <laughs> lot of things that you do wrong and that's okay. Like that's where your biggest growth comes from if you approach it right. Like mistakes are a good thing, even if they hurt in the moment. Um, but yeah, so one of the big things like for me kind of starting out was 
I, one of the mistakes I made at least was really like, I guess what I'd say is saying yes to everything. Now, I didn't like, I, I guess the context, I mean that like, I didn't, I wasn't like, what's your budget? Oh, it's like $200, I'm in, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like that where I was like taking on like tons and tons of work and everything that came my way, but it was like any project that came my way that that did fit the budget or whatever, like I was in. And it didn't matter if it was weddings, it didn't matter if it was the type of clients I, I liked or the work I wanted to do. It didn't matter if it was like uh, just a completely different, you know, genre, a completely different industry. Like I was in and I was in because of the fear of like, what happens if I say no? And so I think one of the big like lessons that I've learned from that and something that, you know, some people have had interactions with me where I've really pitched this idea of like the importance of being able to say no in this industry, whether that is on a project coming in, that's like something that you don't want to do or don't know how to do or don't have the means to do. Um, or even in the sense of like, if a bride wants all these edits, like changes, and I'm just like, no, like I'm a business and like, I feel for you. And like, I, I like, I'm a hundred percent, like make your client experience amazing, but there's also a limit to that. And so if you, if you're saying yes to everything, chances are in some of those instances, you're getting taken advantage of. Um, and I think that it, it just stunts your growth as a filmmaker and as a business owner for sure. So. Well, it can lead you down a path maybe you don't want to be on. And I think it's hard for me to say, you know, because we did a lot of that, right? In probably still I think do. it's pretty common. Like you want the portfolio stuff, right? You want to be like, hey, I did this wedding. I did this commercial project, even though I didn't like it, or even though I'm not passionate about it, or even though they didn't pay me about it, or I did like seven rounds of revisions for free because I want to please my client or whatever. It's easy I, to get trapped in there. I would say, I normally don't say this, but because I normally think it's crap when most people complain about this, but I do think your time needs to have a dollar value on it. And so not knowing what your hourly dollar value is on your time, I think plays into that, which is like a yes, here's how much it costs is different than yes, please don't give me a bad review. Yep, there's a middle ground. But when it's like fear-based, yep. whether it's fear of bad reviews or fear of missing out on future projects or fear of will my business shut down because I didn't do this wedding or like, I don't know. I don't think that helps you in the long run. So I agree, I agree. Jared, what about you? What's what's a big mistake that you made? Um, So I think one of the very first um, things that came to my mind wasn't necessarily that something I thought that we would have to do like first year but it's definitely something as we were like okay this is something we definitely want to pursue is i wish we would have hired a lawyer and an accountant in the first years of our wedding film career um because we always were like hey we want to make this a real business uh but i guess we didn't really know what they did like we know what they do as like you know uh, what their careers are but how they would actually be implemented in our business and how much money they could save us long term right so that's probably the first thing that came to my head. It was, I, I wish I would have gotten someone on my team. And now you're seeing it just played out with so many photographers and videographers is they just have such bad contracts and, and maybe generic contracts that don't necessarily apply to them and their services. And then they have uh, a bad plan when it comes to accounting. It's just they don't know how to save themselves the most money. So probably those two things right off the bat I yeah. thought of. 
I think that's a really, really very common mistake. Mm-hmm. I understand the mistake, but this is one mistake where I will tell people like quit being a baby about it and just do it the right way. Because I'm telling you, like, if you have like if a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars it costs you per year to work with good people, like whatever you're doing with the money is not better. Whatever you're doing, like if you're like, oh, that's my vacation money. Don't go on vacation that year. Hire a lawyer and work with like at least like a part-time CPA, but like work with these people because the value it brings to your business is pretty like coronavirus. We are proof positive. If we didn't have our contracts and we didn't have a strong relationship with a lawyer, we would be out hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. It is a mistake that you do not want to make. And you can't like, it's not a mistake where you're like, Oh, I wish I would have rolled slow-mo, but I actually forgot. And I shot 24. It's like the client doesn't care. Right. It's a mistake, but it doesn't hurt you. But I'm telling you, if your contract sucks, by the time you realize you made the mistake, that could be it for you and your business. Yep. So I think it's a big thing. People way underspend on it. And I think um, it leads me to what I was going to say, which is my mistake, which is uh, I think one of the biggest mistakes I made early on is not spending enough money on data and storage and things like that. It's all like when you're starting out, it's all about the sexy stuff like lenses and cameras and sliders um, and some really stupid things like <laughs> buying dumb crap that we, which you don't use. But oftentimes the last thing you want to spend your money on is storage. And like now, like, you know how I am about that now as we've developed our business and we've, I mean, we've been putting early on, we're like, Oh crap, this hard drive broke. And you're like sticking it in the freezer and then trying to get it to (laughs) start spinning again. For those that don't know, that was a trick. Um, (laughs) Trying to make your backup before the hard drive fails, all these idiotic things. We would be going to Best Buy like every week and I'd be buying like the cheapest hard drive. And we just have, I mean, we still have rooms full of cheap, crappy hard drives that we would just buy. Man, I wish we would have just early on made a decision to invest in our data infrastructure, creating like a, like right now, I feel great about where we are. Um, I want to be even better, but at the end of the day, like most filmmakers do not spend enough money on storage. Wouldn't you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think so. Totally. I I think it's it's just boring. Yeah, it's boring. It's something like, especially for us shooters, right, Bobby? Um, The the back end. Um, yeah, I think it's just something that you're like, well, I'll do it and I'll get to it. And, but it's like back of my, um, it's a back burner agenda. Right. Um, and then what has to happen to you is if it is on the back burner, you end up losing a drive, it just crashes or whatever. And someone's wedding is on it that you're working on or something and you have to learn the hard way. So (laughs) take it from us. It's it's never been easier or cheaper to have a good storage system. So just bite would, the bullet and do it. I would add to that too. Like it's not just about having 10 terabytes, 20 terabytes, whatever it is that you want, like whatever it is that you need. It's about also having a process and sticking to that process. Yeah. Like when you get home you or in the morning or whatever your process is, you follow that process, you offload onto OneDrive, that drive gets copied to another, that goes up in the cloud like... I've done a video on my process. Everybody is different, but that process is huge and that's how things don't get lost. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is like, first of all, you got to invest in the infrastructure. And then I think once you do that, then of course it's about discipline. And I think this is one of the biggest, 
I cannot tell you how many times, and I think it's directly related, right? Because, oh, I don't have enough space, so I'm going to, like, I got to delete this, and then I can offload my footage from the weekend and, like, all the things that people do. And then twice, three, four times a week, somebody's saying, has anyone ever found a way to recover files on something? And, like, the irony is that the people doing that, where it's, like, I either, like, I didn't bring enough cards to shoot, my cards corrupted, I never offloaded them, or my hard drive is going down. Singular, hard drive, one, right? And the, the problem is that's happening. The people doing that are the people in the early stages of their career, and it is a very cheap and simple fix to remedy that. Like, if you do it ahead of time, like you buy multiple drives or whatever. And like the irony in that situation is, look, if I lost somebody's wedding, I would feel terrible. I would refund them the money. Like I would do anything I could to make it up to them. Um, my business would do just fine the next year. Yes. But if I'm in the beginning stages, like that could bury your business. Yep. Um, that's a and great that's point. like literally when you need it most mm-hmm. to not make those mistakes. So I would also add uh, one more thing. If it's hard for you to get excited about data storage as a videographer, um, something that I've done, and, and this is a pro tip, this one's free. Uh, oh. Turn it turn it into a sales uh, tactic as well. Uh, I do a lot of sales and something that I find no other videographer, if I'm talking to a client, they're like, oh, I've talked to five videographers. No one brings this up is I'll talk to them about our storage system. I'll say, hey, we have triple redundancy so that your wedding never gets lost. And so if they talk to other videographers, I'm placing a seed of doubt in their mind of these people didn't mention it. They probably don't have a good system in place. And so I would say it's a way to get some work too. Yeah. It's a competitive advantage because most of your competitors are not doing a good job. Here's a quick thing. They say, if you have one, you have none, which is true in data. If you have one copy of something, you have no copies. By the way, Jared and I do not shoot dual card slot. Never have, never have had any out of 120 weddings a year, never had a card corrupt, nothing. So fingers crossed. Like, Good thing we have a wood table that yes, we're knocking on. <laughs> but, so, like, I, I think most of the time the data corruption is happening in the handoff. Like, it's yeah. in, yes. like, it's it's happening when you're copying a card over and jiggling a cable. Oh, like my card got corrupt. Or, like, it's things like that. So, if you're blaming your cards, I would say most likely what's happening is you just have been literally editing, shooting, watching videos grinding this one spinning hard drive on your desk to a pulp and to the point where it's like the thing is spinning on it's like they're literally designed to break guys just so you know ssds are better but i had this one ssd that corrupted two times (laughs) so there even ssds are not perfect so you got to get triple redundancy and have a plan there just like bobby said so i'm gonna throw back to you bobby what's another mistake that you made yeah so this one is is big and I think it's something that you could definitely struggle with at any point in your career. Uh, but I've definitely tried to fix it kind of as time has gone on and that's not being brand conscious. So what I mean by that is, look, you can shoot whatever you want. Like I shoot what, like I love shooting epic elopements in really cool locations or couples that just like are super in love and and just like 100% trust me and are like, just do like go out of the box, do whatever you want. But there are definitely weddings that I shoot that aren't that and that's okay too. But you need to know what you wanna shoot and you need to like just 
fucking go for it. Or uh, can we swear? I don't know. Whatever. This is our podcast. We can do whatever we want. Like, you need to just go for it, right? So, like, and the way that you do that or the way that I didn't do that is I used to take whatever wedding. Like, I I wouldn't, like, if there's, like, major red flags, I wouldn't take the wedding, right? Like, major, major red flags. But outside of that, like, if the budget was there, I would take it. And this kind of goes into, like, saying yes to everything, too. But it's, like, the back end of that. So I take the wedding. I'd shoot the wedding. I'd edit the wedding. Give them the you know, the great client experience, whatever. And I would advertise that wedding. And the issue with that is if I'm not honing in on what I want to shoot, I'm going, what you put out there is what you're going to get back. So over the years, I've really defined who my ideal couple is, what I want to be shooting. And it doesn't mean that I don't get weddings outside of that, but it does mean that I get more weddings in that sphere, in that scope. Yep. And so, uh, yeah, a big a big one for me, and I think a good way to do that or to fix that or whatever is putting out the weddings that you like. You're like, dude, this wedding, this is what I want. I want a whole year of these weddings. Yep. Um, and so, you know, it's okay to not advertise a wedding that you did because the couple wasn't really into it, or you know, you were kind of more just like a vendor. You didn't get that personal connection. It's also okay to not take those weddings at a certain point in your. But even then, too. you're never gonna know all the time what you can yeah, do. Yeah, sometimes inc- like, yeah, you I've can had, increase like, your I've had odds. some weddings that I'm like super amped for, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, like the couple's so cool, like it's gonna be awesome. And then you get there, and like for one reason or another, it might not like it might just be the stars aligning wrong, right? Like yep. it could be anything. And you're just like, I like I left this and like it's still gonna be a film and they're still gonna love it, but it's not like a portfolio piece for me. And it's not something that I wanna like put out there. Yeah, and um, and, and, and we're we're first of all, knowing the amount of filmmakers we all know, we know yeah. for a fact that these people shoot weddings that they would not want you to see. It, but yep. it's the concept of like you show what you want to grow. And so yep. like if you want if say you're like you hate barn weddings. You don't want to do barn weddings. You only want to do adventure elopements. Um, you're going to put those up there. But like, we have a good relationship with Ben Heish, who's one of the premier adventure elopement. Photo- I kind of invented the genre, really, of adventure elopement photography. I have a wedding with him next year, and then we shot with him last year, and neither of them are adventure elopements. Yeah. And it's okay. He's not going to put them on his Instagram. That's the difference. And I think the mistake is like you're, you got to communicate to the audience you want in a way that they understand. And, but also I would say like, if someone's willing to pay your price, you know, you got to weigh sometimes whether or not, well, like they seem like a cool couple. I know it's not my ideal client, but because I think you do need to put yourself still. And, And this is more to me where it comes down to like, whatever you're communicating, your brand is awesome. You do need to put yourself in situations that, are different from time to time just to see how you're developing as an artist. And, and I think just pigeonholing all clients. Cause you don't always know. Right, Bobby. Yeah. And like the other thing too, about that is like, you're ultimately you're a business too. Right. So you have to like think about being a business and that means maybe you take a booking. That's not, if you're like, I want to shoot destination weddings in Europe only or whatever you want to get that specific, go for it. Like, but I, I'm in Minneapolis. Right. And I, somebody wants to book me for like a snowy winter wedding. Like, that doesn't mean I don't take that. Like I still have a business to run. If I like them and I, you know, there's still good aspects of that wedding. Like you should totally still take it. It just means you might not advertise as much. And the great thing about this though, is that it works the other way too. Like I have had weddings where I'm like, look, they're not weddings that I'm not excited for, but you just know going in, 
like it's just gonna be more of a low key day or the couple is like really awesome people but they're not that emotional or personal or they're a little more private or something like that, right? Um, but sometimes it works the other way where you turn out like you leave and you're like, oh my God, that was like an amazing wedding and this is gonna be an awesome film and or this happened or XYZ happened and like you're not like locked in to like, if you're just like, I wanna only put out destination weddings because that's really what I want. If you have like a killer film that's at like, you know, some country club or whatever, if that's like not your brand, you can still put it out there. Like you can decide after the fact and be like, well, this was killer and this is so emotional and people are gonna latch onto this and this is a good film. So I'm putting it out there. Can I ask you a question, a little bit devil's advocate when it comes to this yeah. topic? Part of the problem, I because I remember this, Jared, when we started out, you're just grasping at anything. Like, like yeah. if you have five weddings, <laughs> you have to put all of them out in some way. Like if yeah. you've only shot five weddings. So how would you say navigate? Like, do you think people are just from the beginning can do this, should do this? Or do you think it's more about like making the goal to get there and get to the place where you can curate your brand a little better? Yeah. So I think in the beginning, you need to be thinking about what you want. But the thing is, you you can't carry a brand that early because you need to put that work out there. It's in your portfolio. And the other thing, like the other side of that is you can't carry your brand because you haven't experienced enough. Yeah. Like you haven't done a barn wedding, a country club wedding, a destination wedding, a wedding that's, you know, at some like national park. Like you just haven't done enough to be like, oh my gosh, this is what I want. So you need to experience that and you need to experience couples that are super emotional and like you're like their best friend and you need to experience couples who like you're just a vendor to them and like none of those are wrong the type of wedding like there's like maybe less pressure in one of those more pressure whatever like there's pros and cons to everything um and then i think like a couple years in when you know maybe even two years right? i mean it, it always depends right you could know it's probably a certain amount of weddings. i would say if you can get th after about 30 weddings yeah you pretty was, much know what is going on I, yeah. Yeah. I think you have a good eye then for what you something want. that I think your brand needs at the very beginning too is, is money. Right. So it's like, sometimes yep. you just have to put your head down and be like, Hey, I'm going to get experience out of this, but I'm also going to just try to make money because if I get money, then maybe I can afford going up to Yosemite and taking a couple that I want, you know? So it's just like, there's balance. There's like thinking about your brand when it comes to like the clientele you work with. And I, I think this is a, a really good topic, um, Bobby, and, and just hearing you guys talk about it. At first I was like, ah, oh, you know, we have kind of a bigger scalable model and like, you know, some people might be like, oh, you guys accept anyone that you want, which I don't think is the case, but that's probably a, a discussion for another time. Um, but I, I think what you're saying, like, it can be the thing that contributes to burnout for a lot of like newer wedding filmmakers where it's like the worst case scenario for you is you're not making a lot of money doing the work that you don't want to be doing. And then you're also not doing the kind of work that you want to be doing at all. You're still doing like, or that you can do well or that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. So it's like, if you're, if you're not making money and if you're not doing the kind of work that you got into wedding filmmaking to do, it's kind of like, that, that's the one thing, number one thing that I think most wedding filmmakers are like, see, ya, like I'm going to go to commercial work. I'm going to go do this when those two areas aren't being fulfilled, right? Yeah, and I think we're talking on the clubhouse, which you should check out every week. We're doing a clubhouse, talking about the podcast topic. So I want this week on our clubhouse Thursday. I think we're going to move it to 8 o'clock Eastern. 
Um, so yeah. if, if this Thursday you want to hop on, me, Bobby, and Jared are going to be there. We're going to be talking about mistakes, um, and we want to hear questions about it. But I think one of the things I want to hear embarrassing stories. Yeah, yeah, we want to hear your mistakes. I, yeah, so I don't want to learn from you. it. I just want to shame, laugh. shame. <laughs> we're not there to learn. We're there to mock. Yeah, we're um, there we to want... get blackmail. Yeah, that's the only reason we're there. Yeah, but um, but anyway, we want to see you guys in Clubhouse because I think like talking about the mistakes that you make. I think really makes a big difference and improves. But one of the things that when we always look at this stuff and I hear it from people all the time is like, they just feel like they're in a rut. They feel like they're not doing the thing that they want to be doing They're And, and like Henry was talking about it in clubhouse and we were thinking, I, I kept thinking about like, if you love adventure elopements, but you live in New York city, you know, in terms of your brand and what you want to be putting out and all that stuff, like there, the bigger questions start to come up in your mind as far as an artist. Like if you love wedding filmmaking, but you hate making wedding films in New York city, what does that mean for you and your brand? And like, I could just tell you like, suck it up, you know, go look at, you know, Sharon, look at Fior films, make wedding films that lean into the urban environment. And that's one thing you could do to curate your brand is like actually take a step back, realize the wedding films that you actually can get, realize that you don't want to move away from your mom and try to figure out a way to make wedding films in your area that you can, that you're satisfied with. Or you might just have to be like, I cannot make wedding films that I'm happy with that. Or I don't think we could make adventure Loman films profitably, even if I wanted to make them. If that was, I'm not passionate about adventure elopement for me as a videographer carrying all that gear. It sounds hellish, but um, I'm not passionate about it because I don't think it's a good business move for us. When I look at that, I'm like, how many of these people really exist? And I do the market research. I'm comfortable with that. That doesn't make me dissatisfied as a brand operator, as an artist to look and go, I want to make the wedding films that can make customers happy. And our customers in New England are doctors and lawyers. They're mostly reserved people. They want to sh hang out with their fancy friends, show off. We're not the most important part of the day. That's our typical couple. They, they're sweet, amazing people. They love us. I wouldn't say we have intimate relationships. And at the end of the day, they love their wedding film and the role that you played. Yes, the day. Yeah. they're totally satisfied. And like, that's how I came to that conclusion. Like, I want to make customers happy and I want to make money. That was it. Like for us, yeah. like that's where we arrived at. If, but if we decided, oh, we want to make, say I was like, I want to make customers happy and I want to make money. We couldn't do that making adventure elopements in New England. Yep. It's not, a, we have, the weather's too crazy, all these things. And it, like, this is a very, very big topic, Bobby. I'm glad you brought it up because it's hopefully going to spur some future conversations, which is like, how do you curate your brand? How do you communicate? How do you get the clients that you want? And and how, like, how far should you even take this? Because I think a lot of people, they become paralyzed by this concept because they're obsessed with doing nothing boring. And I think a lot of people, they get into their wedding filmmaking careers and they're like, oh, I'm in a rut. I'm like, yeah, you're running a successful business. That's all it is. Like you have yeah. patterns and routines. That's what life is. You're going to hate marriage. Like, <laughs> it's like, that's life. Anything that you do that you start getting good at. I, I Somebody really smart told me, if you're getting bored, you're getting good. Yeah. And it's like, and yeah. so it's, it's, it's one of those things where like this topic of chasing the dragon of 
ideal client, brand identity, all these things, there's a massively important part, which is the doing the work that you feel you can do well that and getting the clients you feel you can make the most happy. But there's another side to it, which is a really negative side, which is obsessively being dissatisfied with the clients you do have. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that you, I, it goes back to being a business too. And you, you have to, actually one of my, one of my other like mistakes, right? Is kind of that, that like business slash enjoyment or work life balance, I guess kind of was what it can go to. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I think, like you said, if you're getting bored, you're getting good. I think that is something that we all experience. Um, we've talked about it a little bit with Henry too, in kind of the more gear talk in how to spark some creativity and sometimes switching that up or limiting yourself can be really helpful. Um, there's tons of ways to do that, but yeah, it, it can be really tough to, to be in that position because you, you don't really know what to do and it can be paralyzing for sure. That's a great way to put it. Um, I was going to talk about a, just the classic mistake that I think everyone in the whole world makes but I made it and then you made it and probably Bobby made it, which is like taking way too dang long shooting pictures of stupid flowers on tables. <laughs> like just like the, uh, like taking like three hours to do this lay flat and like all these detail shots and like just being too, too, too obsessed with that shot, the ring shots. Like I'll see all these guys, they'll deliver these films and they're like, look at my film. And they're like, show off this ring shot they did with smoke and spinning and all this stuff. And then I watched the rest of the film and I'm like, that one shot was kind of cool, but the rest of your film was garbage, man. And like, <laughs> so, and it really comes down to like, I definitely, when I was first starting out, the focus was not on the subjects, which is the people and the environment. The focus is on like cool gimmicky shots and details. I don't know why. For me, that was a mistake I made. Yeah, I think it's just like, we're videographers, so we want complete control over the environment. So it's like, I, in order for me to feel satisfied, I have to get the smoke ring fire ring shot. And, <laughs> and, and I, I think that's where most of us lean towards. Yeah. It's definitely something time management that, that goes into time management, right? It, it's talking about like, how am I spending my time on the wedding day? Now, as a pro, I know that, hey, you know what? I'm not going to shoot more of this because... I'm not going to use it in post. Yeah. If I get more shots, I need two of, shots. Uh, like when we first started, we shot a lot of the bride getting ready before hair and makeup were done. So she looks like she does before hair and makeup is done. And <laughs> she's not going to want to see herself without, you know, her makeup on. And so why Isn't am that I a funny, weird thing about wedding filmmaking that like a woman would never leave the house without her makeup on. But then on the most important wedding film she's ever had, we usually like two minutes of her with no makeup on. Yeah. And, and you know, we as especially as guys, we're kind of just dense when it comes to that. Like, we'll just be like filming instead of being like, you know, going to get shots of uh, rings and smoke. And no, you fill that time with the things that are important. So are there other things that are happening um, that can contribute to the film at the same time? And just like nowadays, I'm like, I don't need to shoot any more of this. And I'll just talk to the mother of the bride because sometimes that's more important is gaining the mother of the bride's, you know, trust throughout the day. And they're just going to do whatever you want. Um, learning that, I mean, that's not necessarily a mistake, but it's knowing the nuance of like time management throughout the wedding day, I think is uh, yeah. critical. Yeah. And also the editing side too, which is you're just like, I'm not, you got it. 
I think you need to shoot a bunch of films to know what you want to include. And like, if you shoot, a f if you're the guy who says a spinning fire ring shot and all your clients ask for that, then, you know, what do I know? But like my, my opinion is probably like, if you are cool to work with and like, we're focusing on people, um, that probably will be better. And I know for me, like that was a mistake I made early on is just shooting the wrong stuff too long and not focusing on people and relationships. I like it. I like it. I think there's some tangents on that too. You kind of talked about editing where like, I know one of the big things that I always recommend to people and one of the things kind of as time goes on that I've really done is really cut down on the amount of shooting, right? Like, I, I don't know what I leave with, right? I leave a wedding with like 80 gigs, 80 to 100 gigs. And that's with three or four cameras. I'm shooting 4K a lot of the day. Like I shoot, like there is, I've cut all the fat out of what I'm shooting because I know what I'm going to use and what I'm not going to use. Um, and so I think that like back to that time management, cause that hits you in the editing. It's like a photographer, like if they take, I don't know, 2,500 photos and 2,400 of them are like awesome. Or, you know, you can get the same result by shooting 25,000 photos and just like firing off your shutter nonstop, but like so much more work for you. Um, time is money. So, yep. That's it. Yep. For sure. But the last one that I had was and i think it ties in a little bit to what bobby was saying like the professional work-life kind of balance um was early on we didn't invest in a good crm platform um so right now we use honeybook which um has drastically changed my life um in just managing couples quickly efficiently giving better customer service beforehand when we first started off i was just putting things in a google document like Nowadays, every once in a while, I'll have to go back and look at like, oh, who is this couple from like 2013? Now they're asking for like us to resend them footage or whatever. Oh man, like you're gonna get me on a whole tangent. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so now I go back and I'm like, oh my gosh, these documents are so terrible. Like, how can I even keep track of like anything? How did anyone you know? ever run a business like uh, this? How how are we still in existence? How did we not get sued? How do we not <laughs> like all these things? Uh, did these people even pay us? Like, how did I even keep track of these things? Yeah. And and I would say nowadays, and and really, the main thing again, we we're just talking about it. Time. Time is money. Um, spending less time on the boring stuff that really a computer can do for you, um, and a system, and just buying into um, a system like a HoneyBook, like a Seventeen Hats or Dubsado, whatever it is that works for you. Um, I think is critical to achieving kind of like a work-life balance. So finding a good CRM. Yeah. It's ahead, not Bobby. just, yeah, it's just, it's not just time as money. It's literally like time is like your most valuable asset. So it's not even about being more profitable, which I think it definitely makes you more profitable. Like, with the, like it's so easy. We use Dubsado. It's so easy to take payments and get contracts and have people leave like tips or gratuities or like, it's, it's way easier to make money with that thing. But it goes beyond that where it's like, look, I don't like sending emails. Yeah. Most people don't. It's, I, I would be astonished if anybody watching this is like, I, like, I can't This is probably not the channel email. for you. I, yeah. I got into <laughs> wedding videography because <laughs> I want to send, send a emails. ton of annoying emails to demand. people. The nice people. thing is like, <laughs> you're, in a good, uh, you're in a good field if that's what you like. Because yeah. man, the amount of emails. But that's the thing is like, I, I don't even care if I'm making more money, like spending that time that I'm saving doing more weddings or anything like that. Like I want to enjoy my life too. And yeah. I don't want to send emails, not only for the time it takes me to do that, but like 
that might just put me in like work mode or a work mood. Or if it's annoying situation, it might put me in a bad mood. Whereas like if I can automate a lot of that stuff, yeah, it helps me. Well, I want to give a real world example because the, I cannot speak. One of the things I do apart from this is we do like um, marketing API, like integrations for companies, nerd mm -hmm. tech stuff. So it's like one of the things I enjoy is systems and automations. And one of the things I'm always pressing Jared on is like, get our emails automated, get things on. Like we have the human side of our business, which is very important, but like, think of it this way in May on the first day of May, I have two payments due. I have two weddings Sunday. Then the next day of May, I have two weddings Tuesday, the 4th of May. I have three payments due Wednesday. I have one payment due Friday. I have a wedding Saturday. I have one wedding, one wedding that's tentative. We might, we need to reach out to that person, you know, 11th of May payment Wednesday. I have four payments due. Like I say all that to say, if that wasn't in my CRM, I would have to do all that. Yeah. I would have to send all those emails and all those reminders and all that stuff. And like, this is just money that's going to just appear in my bank account. Yep. Because that payment's going to go reminding them. We can break up the payment for them. We can do all this stuff. And like it, but it becomes real world tangible benefit to you as a business person. Most of you suck at remembering to be, you're disciplined at like a lot of things in your life. You probably are totally undisciplined at the business side. And man, I know it's not sexy, but like if you can really stick with us on this channel, I'm telling you, this is one of the things you're going to get better at. Because I think Most. at the end of the day for me and Jared and Bobby, like we are successful not because we're the best wedding filmmakers. We are successful because we understand how to run a business and also enjoy being creative at the same time. And I'm telling you, one of the ways to free yourself up is just automate stuff. Don't spend time doing the things you hate, but they still got to get done. Yep. Most like creative fields, not even just filmmakers that I like, cause like, we're pretty plugged in with photographers and like planners and stuff like that too. Most creatives that I see, which is a large amount who fail in their business and close up and go on to something else are not failing because they're making bad films or bad photos or giving a bad client experience. They're failing because they can't run a business or because they burn out and they hate what they're doing. Yep. Like, yep. Great point. And most of them don't majority. say, they don't say I hate what I'm doing because they hate doing what they're doing. They hate doing the, this crap. They hate doing the stuff that they could find a way to not do. Totally. Yep. And it, I know for me, it, it kind of is a, a little bit different perspective where I'm like, I feel like I can't be as creative as I can be. I know I can be because I'm filling up all of this time on the back end with like yep. emails and, and I'm just failing on that side. So it's like, I do fail on the creative because I don't spend as much thought and time in that side um, because I'm just spending, filling up most of my time with like annoying emails that should be automated. I mean, so. when you get to the scale we are, which, you know, I personally think more people should want to be at the scale we are because it's, there's a lot of bonuses, but the negative is every year you have to reanalyze your systems. Mm -hmm. Every yeah. year you have to redo it. Every year you have to say, where are the failure points? Why are we missing this? Why are we? And like you spend a lot of your time talking about storage, billing, <laughs> an email like yeah. <laughs> that's we usually spend a month to two months a year re-auditing our processes on that kind of stuff yeah. so yeah. um i would say the the last mistake that i made um 
I know, not the last. I made many more. But the last mistake I will tell everyone here about. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to hear more, in join this us particular, on join us at Clubhouse. <laughs> we'll have to talk about more mistakes. But um, the last mistake I'll mention in this particular episode um, is just not looking at my footage enough. Mm. You know, um, especially when you're in a team like ours, it can be easy to just take the best shot, and move on. Typically, it's going to be yours. Um, and you know, that is just a big thing. I can't impress enough upon you is like, I don't think anyone should be outsourcing a single freaking thing for the first year to two years of shooting wedding films. Um, 100%. not because outsourcing isn't awesome or because we don't love our advertising partners on, um, cause they're great. And if you really had to, if there's a difference between being late and delivering a wedding film, you should outsource it. But I think if you can edit all your own work and look at all your own work, that will be the fastest way to get better as a shooter. Well, you be, you become a much much better shooter not only in the shots that you take, the composition, the lighting, the movement, all that, but also in the amount that you shoot or lack of amount that you shoot, ideally, right? In cutting down how much you shoot, the the biggest steps that you're going to take on that path, the biggest leaps whatever is going to be from editing that work and seeing where you're screwing up, where you needed another type of shot, where you didn't need 40 shots of lipstick going on, whatever, right? Like that is how you make big sweeping changes. Totally. Perfect. So awesome, guys. Well, if you've enjoyed this uh, podcast um, and YouTube video, uh, feel free to check out some of the work we've done in the past. Some of the guests we've had on recently are just amazing. We have some awesome guests coming up in the next couple weeks as well. Who's on um, next? Who are we interviewing next week? So we're interviewing Andrew with Bottle Brush Film. I think Grace is going to be there too. Oh, Grace is going to be there. I think so. That's awesome. I'm excited about it. Um, awesome uh, filmmakers from Australia. Um, they are always in the top wedding filmmaker conversation, WPPI. And just all around really cool dudes. They have an awesome workshop down in Australia. So everyone from Australia probably already knows about them. But if you don't, uh, make sure you're tuning in uh, next week as well. Um, you can also find us on Facebook. We have a, a very active uh, Facebook group as well uh, that we would invite you guys to join along. Check out. Uh, we want to hear what your thoughts are, um, what your questions are, um, and just contribute to discussion in general. Uh, like Jason mentioned, we're also doing a clubhouse every Thursday. We're probably going to be switching that over to seven or seven p.m. I think eight p.m. Eastern Standard Time, um, and that's just a better time. Most people are on at that point. Um, so excited about that! We're going to be doing that this week at eight p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, the three of us are going to be on there. We want to hear your embarrassing um, mistakes that you've made. We'll probably have some more to share that are more r-rated so yeah, sure i'm gonna you... try to get some some <laughs> pretty <laughs> i'm gonna try to get some of our filmmaker friends there because i want to hear stories yeah yeah um so yeah that should be fun uh as usual if you enjoy this video make sure you give us a thumbs up uh, make sure to comment make sure to um hit that bell button as well so you can know when the wedding film school is posting uh have a lot of great content coming up guys thank you for joining bobby jason thank you for a great conversation again We'll see you next time right here on the Wedding Film School Show. I'ma get right in my bed. Uh, why you gonna try to get mad? Uh, everybody wanna keep up. Uh, don't you know I move too fast? Uh, I'ma zip zip right past. Uh, drip drip all on my swag. Uh,